0: Here we go. Here we go. So the baby Jesus woke you up this morning. What's the first good thing that you heard of? Now I'm not. This is like the first guy getting in the pool. We're not going all the way around. What's the first good thing you thought of this morning? Anybody? Prayer. prayer. Now, but I mean, I want something specific because we're going to say a prayer. But I need something specific. To, I can't pray for our prayer. I guess I could pray for our prayers. That yeah. could. But sure. th- th- what's the best? What's the first happy thing you thought of this morning? Oh, you. Your husband. All right, all right. I mean, that's good on a lot. of Is it your birthday coming up? What's the first bad thing? Oh, that's it. First guy in the pool. The angels stir it. The first guy in the pool. That's it. Uh, what's the first terrible thing you thought of this morning? Sad? it? good You had a good morning, actually. You... Oh yeah, no. had a good one. Oh, yeah. Hold your good one. That's, I swear we can't go too fast because you'll get discouraged if we go too fast. What's the first sad thing you thought about this morning? Brewers lost Brewer's lost. for goodness sakes. Okay, uh, fold your hands, close your eyes. Baby Jesus, I can't pray with these people because they got nothing going on, hot or cold. Please don't spit them out of your mouth. Thank you for the good things, especially Dave Schleselman. And remember us too with the troubles. We've had a full group this morning and um, many people brought sorrows to church. We, You know what they are. We pray that you would comfort those people. You promise all good things in your Son, Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit. Hear our prayers. Bless us the way forward. Let us love you with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Through Christ we pray. Amen. 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 Um, I wanted to try to encourage you just a little bit to uh, begin to think a little more specifically. You remember how Augustine talks about you, can, you, you go to the past through memory and you go to the future through imagination. And often when you wake up in the morning... Uh, if you have a good morning, for example, you know, you remember the good things that were there and you find a name to talk about that. And you can imagine the challenges that will come. And even if you come this morning, there's people who've had great mornings and there are several people who've had very difficult mornings. Um, so you, you kind of bundle those things up as you go. With uh, You don't have to, again, it doesn't, you're not heard from many words, but if you can kind of isolate that and get going, that would be good. A uh, whole bunch of things to talk about. Offering goes to... Lori Wilbert and prison ministry. This is as good a thing as that we do. I mean, this woman, you know, she goes to the toughest prisons in Illinois and teaches. She's been doing it for 20 years. And we used to do this kind of stuff together as a district, and then we sort of shifted to management training and leadership and blah, blah. And so this woman just carries on, and she's a primary beneficiary of one of St. John Outreach. So she's a remarkable person. And it's very good that we support her. So if you put money in, and we support her in other ways, too. But if you put money in, we'll send that to her today. I made lunch. It's downstairs in the kitchen. It's bratwurst and spetzel. <laughs> <laughs> if you know somebody, maybe it's a beer, too. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, there's a beer down there? So here's the thing, Here, uh, this, is, this is not every church is going to give you this offer today, Bratwurst Spitzel and beers, okay, so here's the thing, if you go down in the kitchen today, uh, there's going to be gallon-sized Ziploc bags, if Alex did what I told him, they'll, they'll be, there. yeah, he's gone, but we, he's not back, so I reserve judgment, so uh, there should be gallon-sized in the big fridges. There'll be food. Take what you like. Take it all. (laughs) Take it all, okay? Uh, Take beer. There's beer in there. You can take beer. Safety tip, don't take anything marked garden club. (laughs) (laughs) Such wrath you'll never see. So take that, please. Take it all. Take it all today. You'll make our lives easier. Yes, Mary? Uh, I have a basement full of beer, and if you all don't show up at the wedding, I will never buy beer or wine again. I've, I got all the beer like you would ever hope to have to have for anything. No, take the beer. Take it home. Uh, stuff your stockings for Christmas. Do whatever you want with it, all right? All right. Uh, come to the wedding on Saturday if you want. Uh, there should be great music starting at 7. It's, I mean, voices and cello and piano and organ, the the selections are quite nice, so there'll be about a half an hour of music, and then come and then stay, and uh, we'll have some fun. The food truck will be here; there'll be beer and wine and other stuff. So you're all welcome. Of course, your you know, spouses or friends are welcome. So we'll just have a bit of a bit of a fun. Okay. Uh, let's see. Baskets, wedding, beer, bratwurst, Spetzel prayers. Anything else? All right, the directory is supposed to go to print tomorrow. I'm going to say that to you. But if you ask me next week, well, I won't be here next week, so I don't care. So ask who's ever here where the directory is. So anyway, I know um, when they said you'll have your pictures for Christmas, you forgot to ask which Christmas they meant. But don't worry. This is all going to work out. Because your pictures, they are going to, from last year, look better than you look right now. So it's all going to be fine, right? Well, some of you have aged up a little bit, so let's not... Uh, I had one more thing in my head I was going to say to you. I wonder if I can even pull that out. Maybe I'll come to it as we go. Oh, next week, Pastor Nelson, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to come to church, but I'm not going to presume to have the stability to teach. So, um, I mean in a benedictine way. I didn't mean like too much beer way. I meant like it might be a late night. Uh, so... Uh, Pastor Nelson is going to talk to you about his sabbatical. A bunch of people have been asking him. He's tried to, you know, talk individually. But and then after that, uh, I'm going to uh, the vicar. Your elegant Portuguese, um, soft-spoken, very literate. Someday I'll do a PhD and be the bishop of Portugal. Vicar, uh, Alex, you back with those Ziplocs already, baby? Yes, sir. <laughs> you got the kind with the zip on the top? You know what? Beatification is the first step to, stay to say to <laughs> You're on the way, buddy. Good job. Uh, thank you very much. So lunch depends on Alex downstairs. Put them all downstairs right in front of those big refrigerator doors. By the way, if you, this is just <laughs> like... <laughs> Details. Sorry. <laughs> A little confused. What city are we in again? <laughs> hey, New York. All right. What? Uh, down the hall just make sure you shut the doors when you go this is just like home what are we air conditioning the outside no we're not make sure you shut the, they're hard to open because they got a little bit of a vacuum pull but make sure you shut them we'll make sure they shut them won't we we will okay <laughs> then your vicar is going to talk to you about the lord's prayer for a couple weeks and someday you know like jesus you know you will not see me and then you'll see me again so all right <laughs> questions about anything all right this is your life so far i mean this is why this is your life so far You wake up in the morning only because the Father has breathed his spirit into you. And, you know, you might uh, be thinking good things or bad things. Your emotions might come rushing at you like a herd of elephants. But they also might gently wake you up like, you know, that owl that's across the street from me when in the dark. Um, And that sort of thing's come to you. And uh, the first thing you hear in your ears is the Heavenly Father saying to you, You are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. That's the truest thing about you. You're my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. Because in baptism, Jesus has joined his life to your life. What happens to Jesus happens to you. So you become the family. Now, even before you begin to utter your prayers, um, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are already sharing a cup of coffee, kind of going through your life. And they're praying for you even before you get fully conscious. And by the way, even after your Unconscious, should you get sick or something happen to you. And so you wake up in the morning. The Heavenly Father is loving you. The Son and the Holy Spirit together are praying for you. And that's the way you start your day. More than that, um, they're praying already and the Heavenly Father is answering for you. So before you even get started, God is working hard every day for you, for your good. And what Jesus is asking you to do when Jesus asks you to pray is simply to catch up, to align your life with the Holy Trinity, to do what everybody in the family does, to give the advice that they ask for, to bring the needs that are bothering you. You're not, as we talked about last week, pushing God into something you're not. It's, there's no, nothing transactional ever. There's never ever a transaction in the faith. God gives, and your life is simply a matter of how you make use of what God gives. Prayer is no different than anything else in the Christian life. It does all kinds of good things for you as you go. So now I actually am going to go to this. Uh, I actually am going to go to this um, thing that I handed out last week and didn't even pay attention to. One way to think about this is investing your inheritance. So we read this story about how you're an heir of the kingdom of God. You're a sibling of Christ and an heir of the kingdom. And as part of the family, as in any good family, you have chores to do. Now, you can welcome your chores uh, as contributing to the beauty of life together Or you can uh, kvetch about your chores and ignore them. But, you know, every family works better when everybody does what they've been given to do by a loving father. So prayer is this beautiful work. It's a gift of God. You get to play along. You align your interests with the interests of the Heavenly Father. You do what Jesus does. He's your big brother in the faith. And you're empowered by his Holy Spirit to do this. You're not left to your own devices. And you then live as one who is beloved, just as Jesus lives as one who is beloved. That's as far as we've gotten. Now, that kind of takes you through, through one and two. Okay? Huh. Now I have to make a decision. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to skip ahead and not do any, I was going to do a little bit with the Lord's Prayer just to get my oar in the water there. But I'm going to trust uh, what the vicar does and I'm going to come back to this someday when I return to you after the vicar is done. So what I'm going to do right now is skip number three and number four. And I'm going to take you to number five. If you have a Bible, open it up to Luke 11. This is, and part of the reason I'm doing it, maybe we'll come back to that, but I, I, I don't know if we'll get back to this. But Part of the reason I want to do this is because this is one of the most beautiful things in Scripture. It is just a joy to read this text. So Jesus, this is Luke 11, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Hey, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, Okay. And now what you'll find out is that Jesus does something really strange. Other rabbis either taught people theology about praying, so they talked about praying, or they sort of gave them some techniques. You kneel, you fold your hands, you close your eyes. None of that's bad, but the interesting thing, this is just a teaser toward what the vicar will do with you. The interesting thing is that Jesus actually, because you're his sibling, he actually takes what he's got and he gives it to you. This is why the Our Father is the perfect prayer. If you don't say anything else but the Our Father fabulous. You're free to say whatever you want, but the Our Father is the prayer that Jesus prays to his Father. It's Jesus' prayer. It is the Lord's prayer. It is not your prayer first. It's the Lord's prayer. This is when Jesus knelt down, went off to pray by himself. You know, the disciples are looking at him saying, what in the world is he doing? What's he saying? How does this look? Why does he keep doing that? He stays up all night. He's been really tired. He's got a big day tomorrow, but still... And then they say, hey, teach us to do this. And Jesus, this just is like, okay, when you pray, here's the secret stuff I say. And you can say it too, because you're sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, right? The Lord's Prayer is this remarkable gift that God gives to you. So he, if you will, lends you something for your own use. Now, part of the reason, and the vicar will talk to you all about that, and I'll say a little bit more when I come back just to see what he taught you. But that sets up point number five. Jesus says to us, hey, I lent some stuff to you. You can lend stuff to other people. Or in the way I've written it down here, feel free, if you'd like, to borrow my stuff and give it to your friends. This is such a beautiful thing. Like, this is why we're never without words. This is why we're never without resources. This is why we have enough money to give away. This is why, you know, we spend time on things that don't pay back cuz Jesus says expect nothing in return because Jesus says, "Hey, I got this all this stuff and you should feel free to borrow it and give it away to your friends. You can give it to your unruly kids, you know, to your spouse who's sick." to your family who just has somebody who's died, to that baby in ICU who's troubled, to your friend who won the $1.6 billion, having trouble figuring out what a tithe is and what St. John's address is. You know, There are all sorts of things that you can give to people that they can make really good use of. All right, So just skip down ahead, just to verse 5. And Jesus said to them, Which of you has a friend... Sorry, which of you who has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Which of you will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in my bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend. Now, you've got, just got to have ringing in your ears, John 15. You're Jesus' friend. You're Jesus' friend. You're my friends. You're my friends. If you do it, I tell you. I've come that your joy may be full. You're my friends. We did this already, right? So every time you hear this now, you should be hearing ding, 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 ding. I tell you, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. But because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So let's just kind of stop right there. All right, what's happening in here? Kind of, um, there's a lot of cross currents and a lot of complex sentences, and how does this work? But um, it basically boils down to this Jesus will give you what you need for other people. This happens to pastors all day long. When people walk into, the, and if you are spiritually <laughs> attuned to any of your friends, this can going to happen to you all day long, too. People constantly come in and ask us to do what we have no resources to do. My husband has cancer. My best friend just died. There's a baby who is troubled at birth. I've just lost my job. Um, somebody just beat me up. I'm being bullied at school. Just pick something. These things are beyond our resources. You come to me at midnight and you say, help me. And I say to you, I have got nothing. I got nothing. Although my life is pretty good, so why don't you leave me alone? I just put your own self in this spot. That's no friend. uh, And that's no Christian. I mean, Jesus is obviously putting a rhetorical flourish on this to make it as difficult as he can. First, what kind of hoodlum friends have you got who show up in the middle of the night, right? And then um, what kind of friends live next door to you who won't open their door? So you got somebody knocking on your door and you're knocking on somebody else's door and there's not enough to go around and everybody's troubled. And what if nobody has anything, right? That's the problem. And Jesus locates the answer to this in saying your prayers. So just pause. Because this isn't theoretical. A loaf of bread is not a big deal. But somebody dying in your family is a big deal. Your kids getting in trouble is a big deal. You know, a baby being troubled at birth is a big deal. These are, losing a job is a big deal. These are life-changing. Somebody being really addicted or somebody being mentally ill. These are things that are Big and outside your ken, And yet people come to you and they beg you for sympathy. They beg you for help. What do you do? Jesus' answer is, hey, i got stuff. You should borrow some of my stuff. Now here's the problem. It sort of goes with the sermon this morning, but then every sermon is the same here, so this shouldn't surprise you. Which is, left to our own designs, we will completely screw this up. We do not have, I mean, at the minimal level, we will screw it up, right? Left to our own designs at the minimum level. So what Jesus says is, um, I've come to spread the kingdom of God, and that's already in his preaching and in the Our Father. I've come to give you the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is miraculous, supernatural, otherworldly. We will even screw that up. Left to our own designs, because we are sinful, we will use good gifts for our own pleasure, to manipulate other people, to oppress others, to gain advantage, to punish. The list goes on and on and on. And if it doesn't for you, then I suggest you've never been to church right because every church so I give you this and this is Kleining's way of talking about it it's easy for us to think diabolically it comes naturally to us we're we're sinful by nature it's easy to think diabolically Um, you remember the great quote from Mark Twain where he said be yourself is the worst advice you can give anybody right hey be yourself that's the worst advice you can give a person yeah. Left to our own devices, um, we will abuse. This is right at the bottom under number seven. We sinful humans will abuse it in the form of magic, self-promotion, abusing others, manipulation, or doing damage to the cosmos at the expense of God and other people. So the question is, Jesus loves you. You're part of the family. You don't have these resources on your own. You get presented with problems. What are you going to do? We're trying to live as community. These are real things. This is my mother, father, sister, brother, best friend, somebody I work with. These are my kids. Can anybody help me? Please pay attention. And how does God then get us to work with him to deliver blessings and joy and grace and life to people? Or, to put it another way, how can supernatural power, divine power, family power, advisor power, otherworldly power because we're in the inner circle of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How can the power that you found there be used to do good, only good and not evil? And the answer is prayer. This is very much from John Kleinik, who sort of pushed this to us in another way that I hadn't thought about, but um, at least for two things, that prayer only does good And we can't do evil in Jesus' name. So you remember how the names work, and someday we'll talk about this. This is one way I've talked to you about prayer in the past, where you learn the names, and then you pray whatever the name is worth. So every name, when Jesus says, whatever you pray in my name, I'll give you, every name has a content. So the names look like this, right? So a name looks like this. And it's, a, it's like a box that's full of stuff. And it works in every direction to the edge of the name. So if you take the name Jesus, for example, that's e- very easy. Call his name Jesus, he'll save his people from their sins. Yahweh saves, that's the root behind the name Jesus. So if you need forgiveness of sins, then you say, dear Jesus, please forgive, forgive me. Right? If you need healing, you pray, "O oh, great physician. Right? Doubtless you will say to me, Physician, heal yourself. And Physician becomes one of his names. So you learn to pray the name uh, in any direction. The point is the same as the point that John made, which is you can't actually do bad in the name of Jesus. There's no bad in that name. Right? You can't do bad in the name of Jesus. You can only do good. And then his further contention, which is kind of shattering in a way, if a pagan or someone evil tries to uh, pray the name of Jesus, pray the name of God for evil use, it will turn him into a Christian. Tonight when you're falling asleep, you can just kind of think about what that means. And frankly, it may give you some hope from some of your ragtag relatives that you meet every other year at that big uh, family reunion in Blairstown. You know, you might say to yourself, "I caught a whiff of the Holy Spirit there. I didn't think I would. Right. So we work together with God, and then this final thing from Kleinig: the prayer is the secret of a fruitful life. In Galatians and many other places, you get um, the marks of a Christian life: um, the fruits of the Spirit—love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness, goodness. Right. That's Galatians five twenty-two and twenty-three. The point is, when you start to pray, only good will happen. So just kind of think about where we've been. Jesus is praying that good will happen. The disciples see Jesus praying, and they say, teach us to do that. Jesus says, okay, and then he says, by the way, there's more. And one of the primary problems you all, disciples, are going to have in your life, people going to come begging for these things. You remember these stories like, hey, what's, Jesus, what's going on here? Jesus goes, this guy's got a demon. We can't cast him out. And Jesus is like... You never heard of Lent? These things only come out by prayer and fasting, for example, right? So, Jesus loves you. Jesus gives you his own prayer. And then Jesus gives you the promise that you can go into his room and take any of his stuff and use it for your friends. You want to play tennis? Jesus has two rackets, right? You got somebody sick? He's got a name to fix that you got trouble in your family pray for them and not against them and if you pray in jesus name you'll actually always pray for them and what will happen then is that peace will descend and evil will flee right you still okay am i going too fast with this this is like down in me so are you okay with this You have some familial responsibility. Everybody's got the kid in their family who won't do the chores, right? Everybody's got a lazy brother or sister or some, you know, don't be that person. You're part of the family. You've been given gifts. Here we go. Say the Lord's Prayer and borrow some stuff from Jesus to help other people, even when you don't have the resources yourself to do it. I spend my days trying to solve things that I can't solve, right? I don't have the resources of myself. You don't have the resources of yourself to do what? To be a parent, to be a spouse, to be a friend? You do not have that innately. One of the ways you do have it is to be able to borrow from Jesus in prayer. You can pray for yourself, that you'd be more generous, more gracious, more forgiving, less demanding, less critical. You can pray for others that they be more open, more healthy, more calm, right? This is the great gift of Jesus, that when you're the person in the middle of the night who's kind of disoriented and your kids are about to wake up and there's some knucklehead pattern on the door and you go next door and that, you know, if you pray, it'll all work out and it'll work out for good and not for evil, okay? So I'm just at point number 10 here. As friends of the king and children of God, with access and standing, our advice is heard, our influence is genuine, and our requests get action. There's so much talk about... The priesthood of all believers. It's not a Lutheran term, by the way. We borrowed it from other Protestants. And it's not in the scriptures. The proper term is the spiritual priesthood. Right? What do priests do? Priests tend and keep. So the Hebrew words for when the when the priests are made in the Old Testament, the Lord says, tell Aaron and his brothers to tend and keep. Interestingly, Those are the very same words used of Adam when the Lord comes to him and says, Tend and keep the garden. So Adam, tend and keep the garden. Priests, tend and keep Israel. You, tend and keep your friends and family and church and pastors and life according to the gifts given you in your baptism. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's own people. Really, when did that happen? That happened to you when you were baptized, and that's nourished every time you go to the Eucharist. This is all we got, friends. But you draw on the resources that God has put into you, the holy name, the forgiveness of sins, the gifts of the Spirit, the body and blood of Christ that unites us. This is why when churches go off the rails and fight, I mean, it is the most devilish thing, for example, the abuse crisis in the church. Or even, we don't have to point fingers at it, when, when, when churches fight about things or congregations get it, it's the most devilish thing because it's not just that negative things are happening, it's that none of the positive things are happening. Nobody's got any time to go to Jesus and say, we need this, give us this. I've got a friend who my family is. How about my spouse? Right? So, your responsibility, number 10, you're a bridge. You want to be a priest? Okay. You're a bridge. Or you're a mediator. Or you're a go-between. You're an importer-exporter. Right? What you do is you go over and get stuff from over here. And you take it and give it over here. And God knows this table. They need stuff. <laughs> Not lying, right? Right? Pray for these. i got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. I mean, it worked for you. We should hit the other six by next week, shouldn't we? Spread it around. around. That's the way a Christian talks. That's right. So you stand between God and other people. If you want to be a priest, priesthood of all believers, spiritual priest, okay, get to work. Tend and keep. Pray and sacrifice. That's what priests do. Tend and keep. Pray and sacrifice. Right? Your sacrifice is your faithfulness. Your prayer is for yourself, but especially for other people, right? That you go to Jesus and get the stuff to do the things that you cannot do. There's not one person in here that I know of that has the gift of healing, and if you do, come and tell me. I won't expose you, but i got a list of people you should go see, right? We do these things for other people. If you will, right? If you've had kids or had a friend, you know, it's not just that you um, go get things over here from Jesus and you bring them to your kids over here. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do this. We're both too old for this. But you actually pick your kids <laughs> up and you bring them back to Jesus and you set them down. So you carry Jesus to people, and you carry people to Jesus. That's what you do. That's what you do. If you're of the royal priesthood, God's own family, that's what you do. And it's all in this story about coming at midnight. Your kids are going to frustrate you in ways that you can't imagine. Carry them over to Jesus, right? Your friends are going to ask for things that maybe they even know that you can't provide for them healing or mental peace. Carry them over to Jesus, right? In your prayers, you borrow from Jesus and give to those in need. You pick up those in need and you bring them to Jesus just to make sure that he knows. But he knows. But just to make sure that you know he knows (coughs) that all is well. And this is work with eternal implications. Your prayers last forever, right? Because you're, you've got to put all the things that we did the first three or four weeks. Your prayers are twisted up with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who are doing good work forever. And so when you say your prayers, they're twisted together. I mean, if you need an image, watch how the smoke, the incense, wraps around the crucifix today at the Eucharist those are your prayers wrapped up with Jesus go into heaven i mean it's unmistakable what's happening there what you've got is being born by angels check the icon on the side what you've got is being born by angels with Jesus by the power of the holy spirit to the heavenly father that's what's happening that's why there's all the rigmarole dressing up and ringing bells and Blessing you, and you blessing us back, and the Lord be with you, and Lord have mercy. That's what's going on there. This is the eternal work of people who are baptized. This is the eternal work of people who are royal priests. Tend and keep, pray and sacrifice, borrow and bear, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? And this is just the bottom of the page under 11. Never despair. Right? Yours is not not despair. Yours is discipline. You're not in charge of answering the prayers, although occasionally Jesus may use you as an answer, but your job isn't to answer the prayers. Your job is to pray. Your job is to make the prayers, not answer the prayers. Occasionally... God may use you to answer a prayer in consolation to somebody else or in provision or something, of course, right? But your first, that's that's his business, him using you. Your business is to be a good son, be a good daughter, be beloved, say your prayers. Not because God doesn't know, not because he has to be muscled around. He's busy before you even wake up. They've all had early coffee and they're working it out. The point is for you to come to the table, right? To get in line, to do the good. This is not hard. You just cheat yourself if you don't do it. Because you go off the rails and you start to try to fix things yourself and you got original sin and things turn demonic and you're self-interested and you get off course and you suddenly have to tell God what to do and he's kind of looking like, we already have this going, could you step back? And, 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 right? Okay, say your prayers. It reminds us of who we are, children of God, friends of the kings, members of the royal household, Confidants, advisors. It highlights the gifts we've been given and all the resources at our disposal and puts us to work in the service of God. When a friend arrives at midnight with shameless persistence, unashamed, right? And this is how, you know, there is something with your friends where you cross over and you're unashamed, right? You have that cancer and you lose your hair. You know, it's hard, but then it's unashamed. It's your friends and they still love you or you're dying and you can't walk the way you used to walk or talk the way you used to talk, or you're bedridden, right? There's a point where you embrace that in a way that is unashamed. Not everybody can take that, but um, you embrace it in a way that's unashamed. We wake up that should have been startled and confused and find we've got nothing. And to resolve our troubles, we borrow from our friend next door. That's Jesus. And maybe the full stretch of this is that you start to see your own life as a gift and a blessing. Because there are days when you're on the outside knocking on people's doors, begging them to help you. Right? You're You're not always the guy tucked in bed with your kids. Every one of you, and me too, there are lots of days when we're the guy who are so desperate that we're out at midnight pounding on doors trying to get some help. All right, this happens to all of us. Last thing, and then we'll kind of bundle this up, 13 or 14. It's amazing how God works everything together for the good of those who love God. So we did that, I think, week two or three. We kind of saw how prayer was integral to that notion that God knits our lives together with each other. And God knits our lives together with him. And that rises like the smoke wrapped around, you know, the crucifix. It rises up to heaven. You read Revelation 5.8 and 8.5. Both of them talk about how our prayers make heaven smell good. Your prayers are the incense of heaven. I mean, people go this morning at about, um, you know, at about 9.04... The angels in heaven are going, ah, Mass at St. John. They're going. Good. That's good. Right? That's what's happening. Read the, read the text. So God blesses other people by putting them in your way. Right? What folks need is not our help. What folks need is, for all you fixers in the room, all you non-fixers, just relax. But, and you know who you are because you've been to Fixers Anonymous with me. All you fixers in the room, what folks need is not my help. Right? If my pastoral help only goes as far as me, you're all done for. <clears throat> right, What folks need is not me. They need Jesus. What folks need is not you, but Jesus. You're the, gro- you're the bagger. Like you bag it up. I'm good at bagging. I'm better at bagging than I am at loading the dishwasher, Kirby. <laughs> and you Facebook people, don't make me put that on. Don't make me put that on Facebook. You bag things up and you deliver them. Right? This is what happens when folks, they don't need my help. Nobody needs my help. You need God's help, right? God blesses other people by putting them in our way. When people pound on your, on, on your door at midnight, when they ask you to do things you can't do, your response is not, leave me alone. I can't do that. I'm tucked safely in bed. I'm finally getting some sleep. Your response is, hmm, apparently there's someone here whom God wishes to bless through me. And then the other side, God teaches us to pray by putting them in our way, right? God teaches us to pray, invites us to pray, and in praying we learn all sorts of lessons about humility and dependence and anthropology and sin and grace and receiving everything as a gift and a blessing even our sickness even our death even our troubles we learn about being a community we learn about being grateful read the read the welcome today about gratitude right so it's just a sidebar i know we got to go but some of you know at least the governing board knows that there's two separate studies of st john right now by two grants you know one from calvin college and one from the Lilly foundation about how St. John works because it works in ways um, apparently that other places don't work and uh, one of the books that we read in this cohort of people that I was in it could have been written over the past 10 years at St. John every bit of that book telling the truth being grateful right? every bit of that book were the things that we've gone through at St. John boom 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 it's not that we don't know how to do this is that we're encouraged every day to do it, to align ourselves with the Holy Trinity and do that work. And you do that by prayer. You know, we've always talked about, ever since the first day I walked in, Acts 2, Christ scripture prayer, liturgy and Eucharist, tithing and alms, a thorough mercy and a winsome witness. Every year we do a different one, a different one. We did money last year. We're not talking about money this year. But we haven't talked about prayer for a while, and we need to talk about the The joy of it and how God wants to use you. It's good for other people. It's good for you. It's like, there's no way to describe this. We only cheat ourselves if we don't pray. I mean, just, and and it's the simplest thing. If you can get up in the morning and say a few words of thanks, if you can breathe out... The Lord's Prayer. If you, when you worry during the day, or people come to mind, all day long people come to mind to me who've been troubled or blessed, or, you know, in the richness of the people that we have in our lives, and especially kind of because St. John's been able to extend with all these interns and vicars and deaconesses and all the people we know, the possibilities that we have to do good in the world when these people come to mind, when Jesus puts them in your way, when they're banging on your door, when students call and say, I need a computer, or I need money, or I got to do this, or I got to do that, or poor people show up, or pick something, right? These are all people banging on the door. You can either say, stay where you are, and I will too, or you can say, let's go, right? Let's go, This is all there is in the Christian life. This is all there is. It's said in a hundred different ways. The way we're choosing to say it this year is prayer. And if you can just come to that with a word or two, if you can change your worries into a prayer. When it's about your kid, you say, could you just bless them? Could you just heal them? Would you please remember them? Would you remember they're baptized? Would you bring them to the Holy Eucharist? Which, can you make it a little easier for them? Can you give them strength if it doesn't get a little bit easier? Can you remind me of all the ways you've blessed me so that I can carry on here? Can you make the future better? I can imagine what it could be like if everything pulled in the same direction. Please, please, please. Amen. All right, then you're good. Let's go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come